BKS 23 is powered by Cliff Central, uncensored, unhinged, and unradio. Hello and welcome to the Digital Kung Fu Show, a podcast and videocast for startup founders and entrepreneurs. Even if you're alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs across the world hustling today's markets. At Digital Kung Fu, we have one goal, to help entrepreneurs succeed in their ventures through information sharing, digitally connecting them with other entrepreneurs, and by dissecting and deconstructing the world's leading business minds right here on this show. Remember, you can view the full show notes on our website at digitalkungfu.co. Dot ZA or tweet this show using our handle at digital kung fu ZA or follow us on facebook.com slash digital kung fu ZA. As a startup, you're either doing one of two things you're launching to a market that exists or you're launching to a market which doesn't exist, and in that case, you need to make the market. There are very few entrepreneurs that have had to make markets before and have succeeded. Mark Zuckerberg springs to mind where he had to make the social media market using Facebook. Prior to that, the social media market or ecosystem didn't exist. That ecosystem, post its launch, has now given birth to numerous other social media platforms like Pinterest, Twitter, and Instagram. But they all had the luxury of launching to a market that already existed. So how do you then make a market? I reached out to Gareth Cliff to get the answer. Gareth Cliff is the president and CEO and founder of CliffCentral.com, which is Africa's premier infotainment content hub. It's a startup that, despite many odds and many naysayers, has succeeded by defining a market which previously hasn't existed. And pay specific attention to the question where I ask him about the things that nobody ever asks him. He reveals a little known uh, set of interests which will, I'm sure, surprise you. So without further ado, enter Gareth Cliff. Hello and welcome back to the 23rd edition of the uh, Digital Kung Fu Show. My name is Matt and I'd like to kick us off with a quote by Gareth Cliff. Oh. <laughs> I hope this is one of the ones I approve. Sometimes I can't remember what I've always said and it leads to some complications. It's a good one. It's a good one. Um, but he said, quote, to inspire others, you must seek to achieve something bigger and better than just the things you seek for yourself, mm. unquote. It's a nice one. Um, so for those of our international listeners who don't know anything about Gareth, um, He's quite a big deal down here anyway, at least as far as I'm concerned. Um, he's also an idols judge. Um, and as I touched on, he's one of South Africa's most well-known radio and television personalities. More importantly, however, he is the founder and president of cliffcentral.com, Africa's premier infotainment content hub. And I'm thrilled to be able to share with you that, um, yeah, we're um, working with Cliff Central. So you will be able to catch our show on the Cliff Central platform very soon. So. Um, yeah, so that's all good. Um, and we are in the studio for the first time. So there's about one too many microphones. So hopefully things. <laughs> yeah, hopefully we're, we're just, we're doing redundancy checks at the moment. So we're making absolutely sure we don't miss a thing. Yeah. So hopefully we'll, uh, we'll be able to pull this off without too many glitches. But, um, Gareth, thank you for being uh, with us today and in the sure. hot seat. Sure. Cool. So, um, maybe you can kick us off by giving us uh, a quick overview of your career to date. Um, and maybe uh, post that we'll jump into the meat and potatoes of Cliff Central. All right. Um, radio for 18 years. Uh, hosted um, morning shows in 702 and 5FM. Before that was campus radio and uh, television. You mentioned idols. We, we've done 11 seasons. 
Um, I've been on 11 seasons. There have been 12 altogether. So I wasn't on the very first one. But after that, they gave me a call and I went in and we, um, we started doing idols together. And that's also been an incredible journey. Um, not without its controversies, but it's been, it's been terrific. And it's been great to see, uh, a show like that grow and become a place where real talent has been discovered, where real music careers have launched, um, and where a lot of very, very capable people have found their niche in the entertainment business. So, uh, about three years ago, um, in fact, probably about five years ago, we started thinking about when I say we, I mean Rena and, and I. Rena is my business partner here at Cliff Central. We started thinking about the internet and what possibilities that allowed for us to start to aggregate and to, to, to engender and to foster and to grow um, talent in, in broadcasting. There isn't a lot of space in South Africa for people who uh, – well, up to now, there hasn't been a lot of space for people who have a talent in that area to actually get a place to perform it, a place to refine it, a place to uh, find themselves effectively. And we decided it was time to do something two years ago in New York – at a cheesecake shop on 7th Avenue. Um, I said to her, when we get back, we can't re-sign with 5FM. We must start something new. And initially the idea was to just take my show and my team and do something around that every morning live mm -hmm. on the internet. Um, we decided we'd go much bigger and we put together a 12-hour day, five-day week lineup mm -hmm. of all kinds of shows, entertainment, inspiration, empowerment, information and uh, here we are two and a bit years later and things are going very well yes they are so um i think that's it is interesting because it's may 2014 i think you started Correct. right yeah and um i think it took the news when it broke that you were leaving 5fm um and being the host of you know south africa's premier morning show or breakfast show mm -hmm. one could argue um i think it did take a lot of people by surprise and i think they also didn't really understand what is this cliff central thing yeah. what does infotainment mean yeah. and um what uh, i would like to commend you on is that you know you you made the market because the market didn't exist yeah um and you know as a startup you're either launching to a market that exists or you need to make that market well that's interesting because a lot of people don't seem to understand that they compare us a lot of the time to radio which which yeah. is completely um bullshit well yeah it is it's bullshit because we're a totally different offering mm. um what we're doing is much more niched than what radio did i have no interest in having millions of pedestrian listeners anymore mm. part of the reason we've done this is because here every listener counts a whole lot more and here every listener is choosing you and they're choosing to spend their data on listening to you. If they're listening live, if they're downloading the podcasts, then they want to listen to that whole podcast. They've come for very particular content. Mm -hmm. There is such an offering of, 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 of you know, varieties of, of, of different kinds of entertainment and info here that really anybody who comes to get it is the perfect audience for that kind of product. Where before on radio, you tried to get as many people as you could listening. Mm -hmm. And it's very hard that, you know, I think, uh, politicians have always understood this probably better than most is that if you try to please everybody you end up pleasing nobody mm. and that's the problem with mass market media at the moment mm. is that it really isn't serving anyone in particular mm. and not terribly many people generally either i think everybody's got a very good idea you know you choose who you follow on, on twitter mm. you choose what kind of tv series you want to download and watch illegally um and you don't bother with 
DSTV and you don't bother with following people who you're not, you're not interested in on social media. Yeah. The same goes for, for audio. Mm. And if you've got a 15, 20-minute drive into work in the morning, or as the case may be for some people, hours mm. of being in the car, this could be your most precious alone time. You're, you're not going to spend it with somebody who's going to back announce songs and tell you what time it is. Mm. You can do all of that yourself these days. The song title comes up on the screen in your car, and the time is there all the time for you to see. Yeah. It's not 1983. Mm-hmm. So whatever you're listening to must be the kind of stuff you genuinely care about. Yes. And podcasting is the way to go there. Yeah. Because if we did a show about, oh, I don't know, um, ancient Egyptian hieroglyphics, Mm-hmm. And there were only 10 people who listened to a show on ancient Egyptian They'd hieroglyphics. To the whole thing there, wouldn't they? they would be very, very interested in that content. Yeah. And it would be, for them, more important than 100 hours of boring music radio. Yeah. And if you were a person who sells papyrus, <laughs> this would be the perfect show to advertise on. Yeah. You get more bang for your buck. So uh-huh. to me, it makes economic sense too, because the business plan mm. is almost more important than your listenership plan. Mm-hmm. Cool. We'll jump into the business model side of things a bit later, but I wanted to talk about positioning or the positioning of Cliff Central. I was talking to Tim Hamilton last week, um, and he was we were talking about positioning, and there's a great book called Positioning by Al Reese, and he says – um, that there's a lot of equity to be created when you position yourself against the status quo. And uh, Cliff Central's proposition is unhinged, unradio, and uncensored. Yeah. That's it, mm-hmm. yeah. But that word unradio mm. is a powerful one for me. Um, did you always plan on positioning Cliff Central as completely against mainstream radio? Was that always the plan? Not at all. In fact, um, I, I think that the two could even be complementary, which is why I often have people who have done radio um, as guests here, and a lot of them have even uh, taken over shows here. Mm. Um, you know, we, we had DJ Spoo famously come in for a couple of weeks when, when he was fired from Metro. And there's a, there, there are two kinds, there are two breeds of broadcasters here. Podcasters and broadcasters. Broadcasters are kind of traditional radio guys who know how to tell a story. They know the ins and outs of radio formatics and all that stuff, which is great, but it's no longer as valuable as it used to be. And we've got amateurs who come in with absolutely no experience of broadcasting and do very authentic, very real shows that are more like a conversation between two interesting people. Mm-hmm. And we found that actually those shows are probably the ones with the most potential to grow because there's nothing like that on radio. It's authentic. Absolutely right. authentic. It's, it cuts through the, the, the noise and the clutter. Mm. Um, and you find a, a depth of talent that can't be masked by someone with a really good radio voice or the ability to say the station call letters really well or <laughs> tell you what uh, Justin Bieber song you just heard. Yeah. That's no longer useful. Yeah. No, I agree with you. But and positioning ourselves against radios is – I would say that that was a, a repositioning of me, rather, to mm-hmm. have left radio and to come into this. Mm. Um, but we're not, we're not up against radio, and I don't want us to be compared with radio. We're doing a very different thing. Mm. The term unradio, a very clever term. It was actually coined by TBWA Hunter Scaris. Okay. They helped us come up with it. Um, I think just got everybody thinking outside of the box in terms of radio, Mm -hmm. which is a a good place to be thinking right now. Radio is not growing. Um, If anything, it's, it's, it's backsliding. It's not making the kind of money it used to, and it's not the value proposition that it used to be for clients. Mm -hmm. How did you, let's go back to May 2014. What did you launch with and what were those kind of initial steps that you took in terms of 
launching the Cliff Central proposition. And well, is is there anything that stands out for you when you look back at that? Because obviously yeah. the proposition's in, you know scaled incredibly mm-hmm. over the last two years or so. And what it was, if there's one thing when you look back at that time that you learned and that you'd like to share with other startup founders, what would that be? Um, well, I think in the beginning we we made a couple of really good decisions and one or two mistakes. And I think all of them have been valuable. And you have to learn these things yourself, unfortunately. No one's going to help you learn them. And no matter how many times you hear good ideas, you're always going to think you could do it differently. And then when it screws up, you go, oh, I should have just oh, listened. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we went big and we had uh, a good sponsorship from WeChat for the first couple of months, which helped us to scale this up quickly. Mm. Um, in terms of costs and all the rest of it, it made it possible for us to do a 12-hour lineup and to hire staff and all kinds of things because we haven't got um, investors and we, we don't have any other shareholders. It's Srina and I. Um, so we needed to do it properly and we went big and we had great marketing on television, in print, just about everywhere. We had buses driving around with my face all over them. And that kind of scale of, of um, entry into the market was was just, I don't think, something that any little startup could have easily afforded. We had that. We had a huge amount of publicity because I, for some reason, always attract an enormous amount of publicity, whether I try or not. Mm. And this was no different. Mm -hmm. Um, It was controversial. I think people were interested. It was different. It came out of nowhere. Uh, A lot of people weren't sure whether I was being serious or not when we started this. And then the third thing we did is we partnered with Comedy Central to launch it on TV as well. Mm which made it look bigger and more sexy and more exciting than radio. But in effect, television hampered our delivery. Um, what we were trying to do, uncensored, unscripted, on radio, wasn't possible on, on TV. satellite television. Yeah. So we kind of canned that experiment after a month with Comedy Central. I don't think it did us any harm, but it definitely blurred the lines between what our vision originally was mm. and what was being delivered on television. Mm. So I was happy to be rid of it. Um, though it was a good experiment to do. Mm. Um, luckily, there were no costs involved for us and we weren't making any money out of it. So there was no uh, loss from a financial point of view with, sure. with the comedy center. Which is helpful yeah. when you're a startup, right? It is. And keeping yourself lean and mean is also a very big part of the plan here. Yeah. I'm grateful that Rena had the experience that she had in founding 702, basically. She mm. was there from the first year of 702's existence. Wow. Yeah. So she knew how to mm. launch an independent mm. media platform mm. from all those years ago. And yeah. I think that stood us in good stead. Cool. Let's talk about scale. Um, South Africa is an interesting uh, economy from a digital enablement perspective or, and a technology adoption perspective. So, so correct me if I'm wrong, but when I look at the Cliff Central proposition, it's about getting that content into many distribution channels as possible where it makes sense. Mm. And it's heavily skewed towards digital given the fact that it's podcast and effectively it's activated mm. digital content. Yeah. Um, you mentioned, for, for for instance, you did the Comedy Central partnership, but you can that for, for the reasons you stated. Mm-hmm. But where do you see... Um, well, two things. Where do you see your scale coming from in five years' time? And what is your strategy in terms of um, creating monopoly on those points of access? So, for instance, via the smartphone app or via the yep. web. And given the, that South Africa, I think, last stat I read, something like 48% of this country has internet access. So there's potentially a huge, huge um, amount of bottleneck, growth. right? So. But the growth opportunity. Well, there's already, I mean, they're rolling out free Wi-Fi across uh, Pretoria, Cape Town, Johannesburg, in various places. This is now becoming a, a very 
mundane and routine uh, thing. And I think that that's terrific. More and more people are um, climbing into the smartphone market. We've got 37, 38% penetration of smartphones in sub-Saharan Africa. Mm -hmm. That's projected to grow incredibly. Mm -hmm. Um, More and more people, and it's amazing, you, you would imagine it was only wealthy people who have smartphones. It isn't. Domestic workers, people who are um, clearing municipal rubbish, uh, they all have smartphones. And more and more people are starting to um, use data far more than they are calls or SMSs or any of that stuff, which is why the cell phone companies are starting to look at ways that they can force you to download more effectively so mm. that they can make uh, their margins mm. that they're used to on calls, which, mm. are, which are not no longer the main form yeah. of communication. But we use these phones for everything already. We use them to connect to each other. Uh, we use them to communicate with family and friends. We use them to find the content we care about. Mm. So to me, if you're not on mobile, mm-hmm. you almost don't matter anymore. Yeah. They uh, published on my broadband uh, just yesterday an interesting survey about how, um, by and large, the internet access and the digital content proposition offered by uh, you know, content hubs like us. Yeah. Um, that's projected to be far greater than the, the total amount of TV viewership or radio listenership mm. for the next couple of years. I mean, it might take longer. It might take shorter. Mm. A lot of people questioned the timing of what we did. Mm. I've always said better to be early than to be late because to be late in this game is to mm. be too late. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think there's definitely two schools of thought. As a startup, it's always, well, you've got to be first to market with this mm. a unique proposition that solves a problem and whatever and so forth. But then oftentimes there's this notion or this other school of thought around first loser advantage where, for instance, let's say I had this idea for digital podcasts, mm. proposition entertainment hub thing. I could say, well, what's Gareth done in the market for the last two years? Where did he make mistakes? Where did right. he fuck up? And then and I then, could actually you take that. do it better. And do it better. For well, instance, I could focus on something <clears throat> like business, mm. you know, and just do that, you know, better than you are. Because Look, I think we, we're very focused on the fact that we have to remain ahead of mm-hmm. everybody else. And at this stage, we are Africa's biggest podcaster. Mm-hmm. Um, we are, we're intent on holding that place mm-hmm. in the market. We're intent on growing that place in the market. And mm-hmm. as more and more people start to use this sort of, of platform mm-hmm. um, to get their information, to get their news, to get the kind of stuff that they care about. Uh, I believe that we will scale up in, in different ways too. It's also a quality versus quantity argument for us at the moment. Should we be doing less but doing it better? Mm-hmm. Because at the moment, 12 hours a day, five days a week of brand new original content makes us very prolific mm-hmm. in terms of our output. But it doesn't always mean that uh, necessarily all of the stuff is working as well as it should. Mm. So we've got to tidy up a little bit there. Mm -hmm. But it is important for us to be ahead of everybody else because of this competition Mm. thing. And remember, we weren't the first. Mm. Um, Two Oceans Vibe was doing this. Um, Darren Scott started something called Balls Radio. They were were essentially music platforms, so they weren't very different to radio at all. Uh We are solid original content, which is different. But they existed before us and they made some mistakes. And I think we were careful not to repeat any of that by, you know, choosing to put out listenership figures that are inaccurate, for Mm. example. Mm. We've been very, very careful to not even count live listening. We're paying very little attention to to live listening. I certainly do not look at those figures at all. For me, it's about podcast downloads. Mm. Those are solid, dependable Mm. and, and reportable. Statistics that we're more than happy to give our clients. How are you going to remain relevant and in the innovations space or in that kind of paradigm? How are you going to innovate or 
stay relevant, do you think, as the podcasting uh, category expands? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there. I know being an entrepreneur can be a very lonely experience. You sometimes get stuck, don't you? Well, if you're like me, being stuck sucks. But what if you could access the minds of over 850 CEOs who have built companies generating billions of dollars in revenue and access all of that knowledge in a fraction of a second? Well, the good news is you can literally do that today. What my team have built is Matt Brown AI. It is trained on all the interviews, over 850 of them that I've done to date, all my books, all the knowledge capital that has been generated over the last 10 years right here on the Matt Brown Show. And you can get access to all of that right now for free. So how do you get access to this? Well, head on over to mattbrownshow.com and at the top, you'll see community. Hit that link, sign up. It's absolutely free and you'll be given instant access to Matt Brown AI and a community of over 100,000 subscribers. Well, we have to make sure that we, we retain a market lead. We have to make sure that we engage with the people who are making the changes and who are the, the edgy, interesting ones to keep an eye on. But I, I just spent a week in Silicon Valley um, two weeks ago, and we went to visit Google and Facebook, and uh, we met with some venture capitalists over there. It was a very, very interesting trip. Um, also met with a lot of really interesting South African businesses, um, okay. all tech startups. Right. And I think there's a general consensus that we – we all have to help each other out here because the economy here is is not great at the moment. No. And for a startup, it's even tougher. Mm. Um, you have to you have to make alliances where necessary, and you have to to think ten steps ahead of everybody else. So, where podcasting is is now de rigueur, mm. everybody's doing it. I think that ultimately we need to look at video. We need to look at, at ways of doing kind of 360-degree experiential immersive stuff. Yep. Um, it might eventually evolve into virtual reality yep. where you sit in the studio with all of us while we're busy. You yep. watch it on a virtual reality awesome. headset. Yep. Um, I think we've got to look at ways of delivering the content uh, more effectively mm-hmm. through different channels um, and really getting the information about our audience that allows us to give them exactly what they want. So it needs to be a truly engaging uh, two-way conversation, not just a one-way. We present these shows, you can, you just listen. I think that's where a lot of brands actually fall over just on that point. There's lots of broadcasting. Yeah, you know, and, and, and this is what I call narrowcasting. Yes, exactly. It's, it's a far more defined audience who really are the guys who give you the heads up on mm. what they want mm. before you even know they want it. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and listening to those yeah. people is a very big part mm. of what we've got to do. How are you listening to your listenership and constant there's a barrage of feedback every day we've got you know there's the there's the standard kind of whatsapp um and and wechat platforms which are messaging things that we look at daily there's twitter we engage Mm. quite a lot on facebook we even use instagram as a bit of snapchat going Mm. on um and there are there are just hundreds of emails that pour in every day from people who say well we like this but can you perhaps give us some of this mm. um, some of our podcast only shows are growing faster than any of our live broadcast shows wow. okay. and we are a hybrid at this stage because mm. I think we've got to get the market used to this which means a little bit of familiarity from a radio point of view mm. and a little bit of innovation mm. and and edginess mm. which perhaps they're not used to but yeah. you've got to get them into the what, idea what do you attribute that growth to 
the live versus well you know. people are people now are discerning mm. about what they do with their time mm. and just like you don't need to listen to a radio station to hear your favorite song anymore mm. you can download it and listen to it a hundred times and when you're bored with it delete it mm. um, I think people know what they want and they know that they can get it all from the internet yeah. what we've got to do is find a way of connecting them to that content mm. effectively using the feedback loop that that they have a say in what we produce um, and and really keeping them surprised yep. keeping them pleasantly surprised mm. about what kind of stuff we're doing mm. let's talk about social media for a second um, you of course are are an influencer as what many brands would regard as an influencer I mean for instance you've got almost one and a half million people on your Twitter in terms of mm. your followers but I don't think the numbers tell the whole story mm. and it, but it is interesting from a startup and entrepreneurial perspective because as a startup founder it would be great to leverage a social graph that extends into the millions and as you know social media can be a double-edged sword mm. at times um so two things. One, how have you worked or used social media to really grow the Cliff Central proposition? And if there was one piece of advice that you'd give to startup founders and entrepreneurs about the use of social media, what would that be? Well, we've used um, my considerable Twitter following. We use Facebook quite a lot too. Um, there's, I think we're approaching a million on there. But it's, it's all, these are people who've come to me. These are people who've been interested in the kind of stuff I've been doing over the last four or five years. Uh, so it stands to reason that they may be interested in what we're doing here. Mm -hmm. So I will promote all the stuff that we're doing on Cliff Central uh, to reach this this audience in particular, but a, a much wider audience more generally. Mm -hmm. And I think it's it, it comes down to if people like it, then their word of mouth is more powerful than me tweeting. I would rather have five people who are fanatical about a show telling everybody, you've got to listen to this, you've got to download this. Mm. Um, then me put out a broadcast message on Twitter to one and a half million people and, and maybe a hundred thousand are mm. interested. Yeah. You don't want to, you don't want to fill up people's um, digital inbox with nonsense. Yeah. I, I'm very careful about using it, but I also think I've, I've learned that social media, as you rightly say, is a bit of a double-edged sword. There are also, there are trolls and there are a lot of social justice warriors and people who think that this is an environment in which they must take out corrective action on people who they disagree with. Don't understand that, eh? It's, it's very bizarre and I think it's childish and yeah. I think it's deeply undemocratic. It's quite fascist, in mm. fact. And what I've learned to do is to, to not engage them. Mm. Um, it's forced me to be very, very careful about what I say on Twitter now, not mm. because I don't believe in freedom of speech, mm. but because that environment is so toxic a lot of the time mm. that it's not worth having the fights. Not there. Yeah. Not in 140 characters where you can't sit down and Explain. genuinely engage with people. Yeah. So I think Cliff Central is far more healthy as a platform mm. to understand the tone of mm. social media and mm. to get into those conversations that matter. I mean, it's not to say that we don't have huge fights here on the air. Mm. I think that's also part of the process. Mm. But at least here, you get to invoke uh, sarcasm and irony and a tone of kind of jocular fun rather than viciousness and yes. cruelty and yeah. nastiness that you see on, on Twitter. And, and everybody's so brave on social media. Yeah, when you're actually sitting yeah. opposite them, yeah. it's a different story. Yeah, no, totally agree with you. Yeah. So I think you've got to be responsible about how you do this. Mm -hmm. um, you've got to keep it interesting. Mm -hmm. And don't fall into the trap of believing 
what everyone on social media tends to believe that because you have a following, you're important. Mm. You're not. Yeah. You're, you're important for that time that someone is following or is interested in you. And ultimately, unless you keep them interested, unless you remain relevant, yeah. it's not important. Cool. I agree with you. Um, let's talk about the business model um, yeah. side of things for Cliff Central. It's interesting as a startup because you inevitably have to pivot because what you go to market with initially um, – you'll find has to change in order to meet changing or shifting consumer needs, new competitors and so on. So it's more of a, it's more of a fluid thing than it is something that's fixed. Um, how have you pivoted from a business model perspective uh, with regards to Cliff Central? Um, and how are you, what are your plans in terms of? I, yeah, I don't know if it's pivoting as much as it is evolving. Evolving. Okay. You know, you have to, you have to be in, and this is what's convenient about being a small business too, is that you can, turn on a dime mm -hmm. uh, and you can figure out the business model while you're going. You almost jump off the cliff, if you'll pardon this crude metaphor, <laughs> and build the plane on the way down. Yes. You know, uh, so you have to figure it out on the trot. Mm. And that's exciting. It's also mm. very nerve-wracking and you are concerned the whole time because you suddenly have staff that you have to pay. Mm. You have uh, expenses that you have to deal with before you can put a cent in the bank. Mm. Um, so you have to be prepared to take the risk. And, and although entrepreneurship is trumpeted roundly mm. uh, by people as, an, as a sexy and, and exciting thing to be involved in, mm. it's nerve-wracking and it's really only for people who have balls of steel. Yeah. I wouldn't recommend for people who are not sure, if you even have 20% doubt, don't do it. Rather stay in a job where you're earning a salary, you know mm. what you're bringing in every month, you know what you're uh, going to have to spend. You can figure out your life around those kinds mm. of things. Not so if you're an entrepreneur. Mm. You have to be prepared for the worst mm -hmm. and hope for the best. You have to stay the course, right? Absolutely. And it doesn't happen overnight. Mm. And here we are two years later. Mm. Um, I'm very proud of where the business is now, mm -hmm. but don't think that it's any easier now than it was at the beginning. Yeah. I think um, for me, it's the worst thing that you can do as a, as a business owner, I'm not even going to use the word entrepreneur, um, but as a business owner is to make decisions when you're in a position of fear and generally uh, in a doubt always precedes fear. Mm. Um, but I know that you're a human being because you're human. Everybody harbors moments of doubt. How do you deal with those moments of doubt? As an entrepreneur, you just cry in the shower so no one can see <laughs> the crying game. Uh, um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I, I've I've had a lot of sleepless nights. I, I regularly am concerned with very pragmatic, very logistical, very operational things that wouldn't be interesting to discuss now. But the the vision is in place. The idea is good. The indicators, the market, everything around the original conception of this business idea continues to be stuff that emboldens me. Mm -hmm. But I'm not, I'm not, I wish, I wish I were more patient because I'd really like to wake up tomorrow. This is how I imagine things were. And it just is flying mm -hmm. and everything is just working according to plan it doesn't go that way you have to as you said stay the course you have to be willing to sacrifice you have to be willing to partner with people a lot of the time and to change your business model accordingly um, sacrifice some good and some bad ideas mm -hmm. for very practical purposes mm -hmm. um, we're a long way down that journey already 
I am confident, but I'm not arrogant. I'm not overwhelmingly convinced of my own nobility in this cause anymore. I'm now far more driven to give people what they want, mm. to keep an open mind to change, um, and to, to start realizing, and, and I'm glad it happened sooner rather than later, that I'm, I don't know anything, mm. that I'm not particularly gifted, that this, this is not some great idea that, mm. that I've stumbled upon. It's going to require hard work and dedication, mm. and it requires a good team of people mm. here at Cliff Central who mm. put their backs into it too. Mm. And hopefully... In a few more years, we can say this has been tremendous and it's all worked out. Yeah. I, I would be very frightened of, of taking credit for anything yet. Yes. No, that's cool. It's such a great attitude to have, I think, uh, because uh, most entrepreneurs are kind of like balls to the wall, mm. especially in the startup space, as you would have just seen over in, in Silicon Valley. It's yeah. just. I mean, I heard a story about how Larry Page came in and, and shut down an entire division. That division were making Google uh, $200 million a year, and wow. he shut them down. And they said, but you're mad. Yeah. You know, the manager of that division said, but you're crazy. This is going so well here. Yeah. He said, there are 50 people who work for you that are resources that I need. And we're a billion, multi-billion dollar company. Yeah. I'm afraid, you know, we'll have to take a loss on this part of the business. Mm. I need them to be doing other things. Yeah. Yeah. And if you hear about balls like that, mm. um, and remember, they started in a garage. Uh, the best stories are always these rags to riches That's ones. True. And we don't hear the ones that don't make it mm. because it's not glamorous and people like a happy ending. Mm. But I think w I can be very, very pleased with our route over the last two years. I think we've taken a lot of chances. We've been bold. We've they're been fearless. Off, I hope so. I hope they've paid off for our audience. Mm. I hope they've paid off for our advertisers. Mm. That to me is key. Okay. I'll, I'll, take my own solace in it later on when we when we can say we're successful yeah cool lovely um right so i've got some questions here from the digital kung fu community i pinged them a mail said i was going to have some time with you today let's go okay this one is from pam she says what advice do you have in terms of securing partnerships in business wow um Again, you have to be open to everything. You never know. And this is why it's so important to treat everybody who walks in here with as much respect as you can. You never know whether someone could be an investor, whether someone could be a client, whether someone could be a listener. And not to throw anybody out mm -hmm. and not to turn down any opportunity. Mm -hmm. uh, meet with whoever you need to meet with. I, I, I regularly will schedule meetings with people I don't even know who've sent me an email and said they've got an idea. You did that with me. Yeah, didn't you? You, ne you never yeah. know what could come Here of it. Here we are. Sure. So, exactly. So I think you've got to reply to every email. You've got to reply to every message. You've got to talk to every person who walks through your doors. Mm. Okay, great. Um, next one here is from uh, Debbie. She says, how are you working with data and analytics? Uh -huh. And because I think what she's saying, she reads a lot about data being, you know, huh. the big play or big data. Yeah. So how are you working with data? And analysis? Well, it's interesting having just been at Google and, and hearing how they've basically archived the entire human story and every single thing that's ever been written and every single photograph that's ever been taken and every email that's ever been screenshot is all in some massive data center, either in the cloud or in an actual building. Yeah. Um, the usefulness of that is, and there's, there's this great tool they've got called BigQuery, where, for example, if you're interested in whether smoking harms mm. children 
during the mother's pregnancy, you look it up and it takes all of human knowledge and it condenses it for you from this from gigabytes and gigabytes of data into an answer that says to you 70% of or 80% of this material indicates that it's not such a good idea mm-hmm. to smoke when you're pregnant. That to me represents uh, a terrific and and much more time effective means of gathering information, doing research. It It seems to me to be the way of the future. Now here, I want us to be able to Engage with our listeners and give them precisely what they want based on those analytics. We're going to need to develop better feedback mechanisms. We're Mm -hmm. going to need to mine the data that we have already. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, what it will result in, I think, is programming, content, shows, clips, audio, video that is useful. Mm to the audience, Mm. far more useful, directed at them. Mm. So we're not spamming you with stuff you don't want. We're Mm. giving you exactly what you want. And you're going, shit, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, This one's from Jason. He says, do you think digital media will ever surpass traditional media in terms of reach? I think it already is. That was what my broadband effectively said yesterday. Um, I think it's just a matter of time. And if you're not there already, then you will be soon. Again, I don't think that anything Claudi Mutsuaneng does is going to stem the tide here. Mm. There will be poor people in rural places that will always have less access than people in urban situations. Um, but I am less interested in that audience. Mm. I don't think that that's the audience that advertisers want to reach. I don't think that's the audience that anyone except the opportunistic politicians care about. And I think everybody in that audience wants to get out of it as quickly as possible into a place of choice, Mm -hmm. into a place of free expression. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Um, Last one from the community. This one's from Simone. She says, why aren't you married yet? (laughs) Oh, no, I mean, having started this business two years ago, there's just absolutely not a single... snippet of time but that's an excuse I think if the right person comes along then I'll think about it okay but for now I'm very happy being single and have been for two and a half years Uh um it's interesting that you get some people who it just boggles their minds that you could be single. They're, they're obviously quite codependent people who like being in relationships. I think feel sing, that, being single is awesome. Yeah, they, they, mm. but they, these people feel it defines them. It's mm. part of who they are mm. to be in a relationship. They, yeah. They're almost incomplete without it. Yeah. And then there are people like me who could... I'm looking forward to going home alone today. Mm. I'm looking forward to being alone tonight for dinner in my house, just me. I'm looking forward to doing some work for the show tomorrow alone. And I'm really excited about... <laughs> about not having to say, honey, how was your day? I, to me, those conversations are so polite and uninteresting. Mm. Um, I don't ever want to have those conversations with someone. Some people think that that's really important to download on someone else at the end of the day. I think it's cruel. I think, it's, <laughs> I think you know, if I had some wife who'd had her own challenges today, first of all, unless she brought them up uh, because they were urgent and required my attention, it would be wrong of me to do a daily chore of having to say, how was your day when I probably don't care, don't care yeah. and when she probably doesn't care about mine. I mean, what are we going to talk about? Well, you know, we looked through the books today and we made this much money and we spent that much money and this member of staff had some kind of personal issue that we had to deal. I mean, who cares? It's just, it seems to me to be completely self-centered. Uh, and and a lot of relationships I, I see with friends of mine, some of whom are in successful, happy relationships, but most who are not. Most who are either divorced and bitter uh, or single uh, again, 
by by choice because it didn't work out. And I see them in this kind of cycle of making the same mistake over and over again because they need something rather than they want something. Mm -hmm. And I'm thrilled that I'm single Mm. when I compare myself to them. That's not to say that I'm closing the door or discounting the possibility for this. But it's not binary. No, sure. You don't either have to be in a relationship or be single. You can see what comes along. Mm-hmm. Take a chance on the stuff you care about. Yeah. Well, there's a big difference between being alone, alone and feeling lonely. Absolutely. Yeah. I've never been lonely. Yeah. Neither have I. Cool. So rapid fire questions and then we'll wrap up. Go on. Cool. Um, what do people never ask you that you wish they did? Hmm. I wish they'd ask me about inorganic chemistry, about architecture about history, um, about heraldry and genealogy. These are things that I'm very interested in. I've taken it upon myself to become a master of all of them in some way, shape, or form. I'm not a qualified architect. I'm not a qualified inorganic chemist. I'm not a qualified genealogist or or, or vexillologist. But I, I find these things fascinating. They tell you a lot about the state of nature, a lot about the state of of humanity, society. Mm. Um, and these are the things I would talk about to a wife if I did get home in the evening. And she, <laughs> hopefully she'd be interested if rather I than how people. was your day. Um, <laughs> but nobody ever asks me about them because they don't know that I'm interested in those things. Yeah. And I don't go around telling people I'm interested in them because it makes it sound as if you're trying to sound clever, mm. um, which I, I, I'm not trying to sound clever. I'm genuinely curious. But you genuinely have those interests, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Um, when you hear the word successful, who do you think of and why? Well, probably because it's on my mind so much at the moment. Uh, you know, Larry Page and Sergey Brin from Google because I was there and, and in their environment. Um, but there are lots and lots of people who are making, uh, making decisions and making things happen for other people. I think success is about what you give back to humanity. Yeah. And I think business success comes from you doing something for people that they couldn't do themselves or that you came up with a better solution for. Solving problems leads to profit. Mm. And if you're successful, you're successful first because you're making other people's lives easier. Mm. So there are lots and lots of people who are doing that on a daily basis, whether it's people who figured out how to supply clean water, whether it's people who figured out how to um, allow people into spaces that they wouldn't ever have got into because of digital media, because of, of connectivity, because of, of, you know, the interactions that the internet provides. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Contrary to that, who comes to mind when I say the word punchable? Punchable. Mm. I'm not a violent guy, so I've, I, I don't fantasize about punching people, funnily enough. <laughs> Actually, I find people who do quite scary. I, uh-huh. I, I think it's a very old school male way of dealing with stuff. I agree. And I don't approve of it. Uh-huh. I, I actually have a, a a detestation for the male default to violence. Yeah, which is very common here. Hey? So without getting too philosophical no, about no, no, this, because you really just want a name of someone who yeah. I don't like, I can honestly tell you I go to sleep at night and there's no hatred in me. I don't think of anyone and wish for their imminent destruction. Uh-huh. I'm concerned, obviously, for the the way that this country is being managed at the moment. So I think if anyone had to have a punch to wake them up a little bit, it would be the president. Mm -hmm. I think he needs to be woken up because he's living in a completely solipsistic world where he's the only one that matters. And he's made decisions that are downright destructive and dangerous for our country. Mm -hmm. Um, And he needs to be woken up from his stupor. Mm. Um, You very well 
known with having a strong opinion on things, to your point. I think the president gets your your wrath quite often. Um, was that a trait that you were born with or was it something that you were encouraged to do as a youngster? Our parents, uh, my, my brother and sister and I um, grew up without without our parents ever forcing us to do anything. Mm. Um, they they encouraged us to be inquisitive about things. They encouraged us to, to play sport, to do cultural activities, to learn as much as we could. But I think it's innate. I think you're either born with a rebellious nature or you're born with a, a nature that makes you a good servant, a mm. good slave. I, I'm very happy to say that I could not willfully subject myself to someone else's rules. That's why I'm not religious. That's why I don't belong to a political party. That's why I don't take instruction very well. Yeah. I don't like being managed yeah. and I don't like being a part of groupthink. Yeah. Which is the arch enemy of innovation. It's right? deeply insulting mm. to, to subject yourself to the rules of someone else. Mm. And I think that you can't truly ever be a free human being if you willfully submit to someone else's rules. Just no reason to What kind of a life is that yeah. And if that means I occasionally make enemies If that means that a lot of people don't agree with me Or don't like me Too bad mm. I'm, not interested, I'm not interested in being popular mm. I'm not interested in being famous And I'm not even interested in you liking me mm. I don't care about those things at all mm -hmm. My favorite thing is that Socrates When he got up and he spoke um, At the, at the uh, What was it called? The, the academy He would make speeches And the minute the crowd started to applaud and get excited about what he was saying. He'd stop and walk off the stage. He was, he was disinterested in being popular mm. and interested in encouraging other people to think. And the danger of populism, and there's a lot of that in South Africa, Julius Malema is a, a master of yeah. populism, is that you do the thinking for people rather than open up the world for their own thinking. They must be able to challenge. They must be inquiring. They must be interrogative sometimes of bad ideas and good ideas to determine for themselves what the good ones are and what the bad ones are. The minute you fall into the trap of seeing someone as messianic or you see their ideas as being always superior to other people's ideas, you fall into a trap. Yeah. Is that what you're doing to a certain extent with Cliff Central? Yes. Just to open up people's yes, there minds. Yes, there are shows here that I don't agree with. There are shows here that I uh, turn a deaf ear to sometimes because I find them offensive. There are. And believe me, um, through the, the, the evolution of this platform, there will probably be shows which I'm not entirely proud to have on the platform either. Mm. But they deserve the light of day. Yeah. I will not shut down speech just because it's um, offensive. Offensive, yeah. Um, even if it's bigoted. Mm. Um, because I think even bigotry needs to see the light of day so it can be interrogated. Mm. Where mm. else, if we push these things underground, if for the sake of our feelings we decide we're not going to listen to that kind of thing, you know, I'm just not going to pay attention to that because it hurts my feelings, mm. we're really letting bad ideas live and survive. Mm. Or worse, if we shut them down, pushing them underground, making them strong in dark places, not a good idea. Yeah. Lastly, Gareth, and then I'll wrap up. Um, what's your why as an entrepreneur? What gets you out of bed in the morning? We've got to have a place where we can converse as South Africans and not just as South Africans, as Africans and as humans. Mm. Um, if we don't have a place where we can have genuine, authentic conversation and we can meet people who are completely different to us mm. and on the basis of, of respect and of peer review, 
um, talk about the things that really matter. Mm. If we don't have that, and this is the place, I believe, what, what we've created here is, is many things, but one of the most important things for me is it is a space where we can have those meaningful conversations, those meaningful deliberations. If we don't have that, we have nothing. Mm. And I'm sure we'll have many, many more in the future from I you. hope so. Gary, thank you so, so much for your time today. Thank it's you. great to have had some time with you and to have had you in the, in the hot seat today. Sure. And yeah, wishing you all the best for the future. Thank you. Thank cool. you, Matt. Thanks, Matt. Remember that the Digital Kung Fu Show is now on iTunes. So head on over there now and leave us a review. You can also catch the Digital Kung Fu Show on player.fm, Stitcher, and cliffcentral.com. Thanks for listening to the Digital Kung Fu Show. If you'd like to check out more episodes and get access to our growing community of entrepreneurs working together to succeed in business, then please visit our website at www.digitalkungfu.co.za. Ever wanted to become a best-selling author? Well, I'm in the influence business and I work with business owners and CEOs and business leaders to help them scale their influence. And we do this as a team by helping you to become a best-selling author, sought-after speaker and industry influencer in only 30 days. My team and I have developed a system that delivers a best-selling book and a launch campaign 300% faster and 50% less cost than anyone else in North America. This system is incredibly efficient. One of my clients Haiku went from a 2% share of voice globally to an 11% share of voice globally in only seven days. If you'd like more information, head on over to showworksmedia.com for more. That is showworks with an X.com.